Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. God is so good. Well, I'm going to uh, start a brand new message today, teaching about the compassion of Jesus. And I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to, Hebrew, uh, to 16, and then Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2. And we'll just begin reading right here. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men, ordained for men, in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and those who are out of the way, for in that he himself is compassed with infirmity. Now, as I read that, a couple of things really stuck out to me. Number one, it says this about Jesus, our great high priest that he can, we do not have a high priest. Notice in verse 15 of chapter 4 who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are. Jesus was tempted in every point like we are. He was tempted with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, pride of life. Jesus faced challenges emotionally, relationally, physically, all these difficulties He was tempted in all points like we are. And it says, yet he was without sin. So Jesus understands any difficulty, any problem that we're dealing with even better than we do. Number one, because he was a man. He came and identified with us. The second thing is he never sinned. Because he never sinned, he is able to make sacrifice for sin to God. Praise God. And so... Jesus understands our pain, understands our difficulty, understands our problem. And secondly, do you know what? He, he, because he's holy, because he never sinned, can make sacrifice to God. He says in verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. When you begin to understand the grace of God and who Jesus really is, What it will cause you to do when you fail, it will cause you to run to God, to run to Jesus rather than to run from him. Amen? This is why we need to focus on grace more than focus on sin. Do you know the Bible actually says this in Romans chapter 3 verse 20. It says, by the law is the knowledge of sin. If focusing on sin would free you from sin, everybody in the Old Testament would have been free from sin. But nobody in the Old Testament was free from sin because focusing on sin cannot free you from sin. The only way that you can be free from sin is by receiving Jesus. Praise God. Jesus said this in John chapter 15 to those Jews who believed, or John chapter 8, excuse me, to the Jews who believed on him. He said, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Praise God. Knowing the truth. Jesus is the embodiment of grace and truth. Praise God. And many times, you know, we need two things to have revival. Number one, we need the truth of God's word. 
But number two, we need the grace of God. And you know what? If, you, if all you do is preach truth and do not mix it with grace, you'll actually drive people from God. And if all you do is preach grace and you don't mix it with truth, people will go crazy. You know what? We need the truth of the Word of God so people don't blow up. And we need the ministry of the grace of God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, so we don't dry up. You've got to have both of those things. If you're going to have revival, you need the Spirit and you need truth. You need grace and you need truth. You need both of those things to have revival. And if all you do is teach truth and you have no grace in it, did you know what? You're going to dry up. You're going to kill people. Praise God. And if all you do is teach grace and you don't mix it with truth, did you know what? You'll blow up. So we need both of those things. Praise God. We need both the truth and the grace of God. We need both the ministry of the Spirit and the truth of the Word. So when you understand that Jesus is the grace of God, and when you understand who he is, that he was tempted in all points, that he identified with us as humans, then you can, you know, praise God. And, and then secondly, that he never sinned, then you run boldly. You, you, instead of running from God, when you sin, you run to God. And you're like, Father, help me. And you know, he's, he reigns from a throne of grace. But as we read on, I saw something here. And you know what? I've read this 50 times if I've read it once. But when I read it this time, it stuck out to me. And I have never really seen this. But he goes on and says in Hebrews 5 verse 1, Every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he could offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Jesus could do that because he's holy. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and those who are out of the way because he himself is compassed with infirmity. Jesus was holy, but also because he was a man, he was tempted. Did you know what? He can have compassion on people who are ignorant. You know, and listen, I am bold for the truth. But you know what? We got to watch that we're not so focused on the truth that we forget to have compassion. And it tells us right here that Jesus can have compassion on the ignorant. There are people who are ignorant. Amen? And did you know what? The Bible actually says this. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's ignorance. It says in Isaiah 5, verse 13, that they're kept in bondage because they have no knowledge. They're kept in bondage. But at the same point in time, Jesus understands what we're going through, and Jesus can have compassion on ignorant people. Amen? And listen, I see ignorance. Sometimes I'm looking out here, and I'm like, what is wrong with these people? What is wrong with their brain? You know what? Praise God. It's just like crazy. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus can have compassion on ignorant people. And not only that, it says this, he can have compassion on the ignorant and those who are out of the way. When you read that term out of the way, it means a couple of things. In the modern English version, it says wayward. How many of you know Jesus can have compassion on his wayward children? Sometimes he has children. They're born again, but they're wayward. They're going the wrong direction, even though they're born of God. That also means to me, if they're out of the way, they may not be saved. But Jesus can have compassion on people who are not saved. Praise God. In fact, they called him when he walked on the earth a friend of publicans and sinners. 
So I'm going to ask you a question. How many sinner friends do you have? And I think every one of you ought to have some sinner friends. Amen? Now, these can't be your closest associations. But you know what? This world needs Jesus. And if we don't show them Jesus, who's going to show them Jesus? Praise God. So every one of us ought to have some sinner friends. You know, when we moved to Colorado Springs, we moved over to the southwest side of the city. When I drove in, I moved in, I had an old Ford diesel pickup and a 24-foot by 7-foot stock trailer, big old stock trailer, brought up three loads. But right across the street, I saw this guy had a big old Ford pickup, four-wheel drive and a cowboy hat right in the middle. And I thought, I got a friend over there. Hallelujah. And I started meeting this guy and talking to him, and he had a ranch in Colorado and then a ranch in Nebraska. And then before he died, he was trying to trade his ranch in Nebraska on a big ranch in Kansas. And he was a a smart businessman. And this man had, before he started ranching, he had served in the military in the Air Force for 30 years. He actually flew in the World War II, and he was accounted, he flew over 200 missions. He sunk a Japanese tanker. But he had a lot of stories. But, you know, I would go over and visit with this guy, and I just made friends with him. And I just loved him. And, you know, he wasn't saved. As far as I know, he wasn't saved. But I would go talk to him. He had, his wife was Catholic. He had three sons, just like I did do. They all went to the Air Force Academy. His oldest son was a Catholic. His youngest son was a Catholic. His middle son was born again, went to James, uh, had his doctorate degree, and taught for James Dobson at the school of the family. And a little bit after I moved there, about a year, his middle son came and talked to me. And he said, Lawson, my dad hates preachers. He just despises them, but he loves you. And he said, God sent you so that you could witness to my dad. And, you know, I would go talk to him. I'd talk to him about cows, talk to him about... Listen, he gave me some great investment advice that I still use, and it was good advice. This guy knew how to make money, praise God, and knew how to keep it. But, you know, not only that, I I would talk to him about Jesus when I got a chance. And sometimes he'd shut me off. So when he shut, you know, shut me off, I'd just be quiet. And I'd go over, generally in the evening, he'd have a whiskey mixed with something. And I told him to get me some Diet 7-Up. So he got me some Diet 7-Up. He'd drink a whiskey, and I'd drink a Diet 7-Up, and I'd talk to him about Jesus. Praise God. Well, we were there about seven or eight years, and he called me. He said, Lawson, my, I, I'm going to have to have a little surgery. Can you watch my dog and get in the mail for a couple of days? I said, sure, I'll do that. Well, did you know what? He went in, was supposed to be for a short surgery and come out, but he never came out. He went into a coma. And he was in a coma, and they put him in the South St. Francis Hospital to die. And I, after he'd been in there for about 30 days, I went in to visit him. And he was on a ventilator. When I went in there to visit him, he came out of his coma. Hallelujah. And I said, Ken, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? And he said, yes, as much as he could. Hallelujah. And I said, you believe that Jesus Christ is coming again and Jesus is Lord? He said, yes. And you know, I was in there a few minutes, you know, maybe a half hour visiting with him. When I went out of the room, he went back into his coma and he never woke up. But as far as I know, I believe I'm going to see Ken in heaven. Praise God. And you know what? After we were there, you know, God opened a door. He put us in a great neighborhood. He blessed us. It was supernatural. 
when we moved into the house we're in now over on the west side, and God completely, it was a miracle. God gave us this house. The men's group helped me move. And so they were moving in, and the neighbor asked a question. He said, what's going on? He said, well, we're moving in our preacher, our pastor. He said, I don't like preachers. Praise God. Well, guess what? There's my assignment. (laughs) Amen. And this guy was raised Catholic. And, you know, they focused on sin. They called him names, so on and so forth. When I first went to visit him, you know what he'd say? He'd say, girlfriend, not wife. (laughs) He's living with a woman. It was this kind of bad situation. He was rough, pretty rough around the edges, but I still loved him. And I, because you know what? Religion messes people up. And his brother is a good friend of John, our usher that comes here. And, and John knew his brother. And his brother was Catholic, but he's born again. And his brother loved Joseph Prince and his teaching on grace. So I went like the first Christmas to visit. His family was over there. They were celebrating Christmas. I went to take him a little gift, knocked on the door. He, he said, hey, this is my pastor, Pastor Lawson Purdue. He is from Grace for All Church. Praise God. Amen. And his brother told me later, his brother went home to be with Jesus. He had me come over the house and say a few words and pray. But anyway, his brother said, my brother is your assignment. Amen. You know, yesterday I was driving around and doing some things to check stuff here in the church. And, you know, the Lord said, I want you to call this neighbor. And I called him. But recently, you know what? He had this girlfriend, but she became his wife. But there's a difference. She's born again. Amen? And recently she came to this church, and you know what? His life is changing. And when I called him yesterday, he said, can you tell your yard man if he would quit mowing the grass at 6.15 in the morning? I said, well, that was me. I said, I had some difficulties, and I haven't been sleeping very well. I get up at 4 and go run, then I go swim, then I come and mow my grass and do my laundry. I said, so I'll try not to do it at 6.15 in the morning. He said, well, you woke us both up, so I wish you'd quit running that long. <laughs> but anyway, he said, I'd like to take you. Me and my wife want to take you out to dinner when we're back in town. And you know what? God's going to get him. Amen? You know, they called Jesus the friend of publicans and sinners. And you know what? We live in a world, it is whacked out. It is messed up. But sometimes we can get so focused on the truth that we eliminate the compassion of Jesus towards these people. And I'm telling you, they don't need to be your best friends, but they, you need to have some sinner friends just like Jesus had some sinner friends. Amen? So Jesus had a ministry of compassion. You know, Jesus, when he taught, he taught with compassion. I want you to turn with me to um, Mark, and, uh, Mark chapter 6. And I want you to see this scripture. I I just saw this recently. But in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, it says, Jesus, when he came out, saw many people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Compassion motivated Jesus with his teaching. Jesus was motivated by compassion in his teaching. He saw these people. And it it says when he was moved with compassion, he began to teach them. His teaching revealed the compassion of God. One of the uh, first examples, a great example, is in Luke chapter 10. But in Luke chapter 10, uh, there's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it says in Luke 10, verse 25, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do 
to inherit eternal life. Did you know what? If you are focused on the law, if you are focused on the Old Testament, you are focused more on performance than what Jesus has done. Now, when Jesus uh, asked him a question, he said, what is written? What do you read? And he answered and said, you shall love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said unto him, Jesus answered him and said, this is right. This do and you'll live. But he willing to justify himself. You know what? Self-centeredness and legalism go hand in hand. You'll find that legalistic people are very, very self-centered. And, and he was trying to justify him himself. And he said, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus said, there's this man. And he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves. If you go from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's on the east side of Israel. And Jerusalem is in the top of the mountains. And it's a desert. And it's like a rock road. And years ago when people uh, had to travel that road, they would have, there, there is a river that runs down at the bottom of a deep ravine. And it's kind of windy. And people would have to go down there to water their livestock to get uh, water. It's the, it's, and, and he says there's a person going. And as he went, he fell among thieves. The Bible actually calls it in Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. Because to go down there, you were taking your own life in your hands. And so uh, Jesus uh, was telling this story. He said a certain man, he was traveling on this road, and he fell among thieves. And it says, uh, they stripped him of his clothes, wounded him, departed him, leaving him half dead. Do you know how that, that's how the world is? The world will destroy you. Sin will destroy you. And this is how it was. And by chance, there came a certain priest that way, and he saw him. He passed by on the other side. Priests could not touch dead things. Priest said, listen, that's unholy. I got to go another way. And then a Levite came, and he went by the other way. But then as we read on down, look at this. It says, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. If you study the New Testament, you'll find that there was this huge prejudice between Jews and Samaritans. But this Samaritan came, who Jews basically despised Samaritans, and he had compassion on him. And he went, and it says in verse 34, he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and the wine. That's talking about the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of type. He set him in his own beast, he put him in his car, and he took him to the hotel, and he took care of him. He spent a couple of days' wages, you know, gave the guy a couple of days' wages and said, listen, you take care of him, get him healed up, whatever you spend, when I come back, I'll pay you. Now he says, which one of these, in verse 36, do you think was neighbor unto him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, go and do likewise. In other words, you know, there's only really two New Testament commandments if you read the end of 1 John chapter 3. You know what they are? Number one, believe on Jesus. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. And when you believe on Jesus, guess what? The love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost that's given to you. But Jesus shows and he taught revealing grace that this person who was basically despised by most legalistic Jews, he said, listen, he's the one that had compassion. That's who your neighbor is. Praise God. And so... Uh, basically, Jesus, Jesus just shows it. Now, another example is found in Luke chapter 15. 
And Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 15. He talks about some lost coins. He talks about a lost sheep. But then he talks about a lost son. But not only does he talk about a lost son, he talks about the loving father. And when we read about this lost son and loving father in verse 11, it says a certain man had two sons. And the younger said to his father, Father, give them what falls to, give, give me the portion, he said, that falls to me. Give me my inheritance. And he divided it to them, the living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered everything together, took his journey to a far country, and wasted his substance with riotous living. How many of you know that there are some people that do that? They just live in waste. It doesn't matter what you give them. It doesn't matter how much you give them. They're going to waste it all. And it says, you know, that after he spent all, there arose a great famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him to the fields to feed swine, and he would have uh, filled his belly with the husks. How many of you have ever fed pigs? A few of you. You know what? I've only had two pigs that I fed, and I fattened them up, but pigs are dirty animals. They are stinky and feeding pig slop. When I had these pigs that we were fattening them up, we soaked wheat in a barrel and let it rot, and we fed them that. We fattened them up, but that was actually pretty good meat. But, I mean, pigs are dirty animals. And if you've ever, they'll eat anything. And so, you know, number one, it's, it's really kind of an insult for a Jewish person to be feeding pigs, and, and then he's eating, the, he's eating the slop with the pigs. He has come to nothing. And when he came to himself, did you know what? Sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay. And if you let it, you know what? Sin will bring you to the bottom of life. This was never God's will for this man to go to the bottom, but he went to the bottom and he woke up. Thank God he woke up. And he came to himself. When he came to himself, he repented in his heart. He said, how many servants, this is verse 17, and my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as a hired servant. And he arose and came to his father. Now look at what happened. But his father, when he was a great way off, saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Do you know what? His father was waiting for him to come home. His father was waiting for this restoration, and the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight, and I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Bring forth my ring and put it in his hand. The robe talks about righteousness. Amen. The ring and identity. The ring talks about authority. Bring shoes. Praise God. And so... He, he says, and put it on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and it's found. And they began to be merry. Jesus' teaching, as you look at it, was filled with grace. It was filled with compassion. Praise God, Jesus was showing the compassion of God. But not only was Jesus' teaching filled with grace and filled with compassion, he, when he ministered healing and miracles, he ministered through the compassion of God. 
Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. We'll read in verse 35 to verse 37. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send labors into his harvest. Jesus was motivated by compassion and compassion moved him to action. Compassion moved him to teach the grace of God. And compassion moved him to minister healing and miracles. A great example is just here in Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, uh, Herod had just beheaded John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, was close to Jesus. Guess what? Jesus wasn't very excited about what happened. So Jesus went out in the wilderness to a place apart to pray. And look what happened after this happened in verse 13 and 14. When Jesus heard it, he parted by a ship into a desert place apart. He just wanted to have some time alone. Guess what? That was emotionally, I'm sure, excruciating for Jesus to see this happen to John the Baptist. And when the people heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. You know what Jesus did in response to this demonic attack? Jesus was moved with compassion. He went beyond himself, and he healed the sick people. Praise God. Another example is right here in Matthew chapter 15. As we look at it in verse, I think it's, uh, i got to find it. Matthew 15 verse 30. It says, great multitudes came to him, having with them those who were lame and blind and dumb and maimed and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them. Insomuch the multitudes wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, and the, the maimed to be whole, and the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And he says... I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. Jesus worked a miracle and took a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish and fed thousands of men plus women and children. Jesus moved with compassion, healed the sick. Moved with compassion, taught the grace of God. Moved with compassion, praise God, and worked miracles. Another example is if we go to Mark chapter... Um, Actually, Matthew chapter 20 is another example of Jesus moving with compassion. Let's turn to the end of Matthew chapter 20, and we can look at this one. Matthew chapter 20, there were two blind men that were following Jesus sitting by the wayside. When they heard that Jesus passed by, this is in verse 30, they, they cried out saying, Have mercy on us, Lord, son of David. The multi multitude rebuked them because that they would hold their peace. Don't bother Jesus. He's too busy. They, but the more they rebuked them, the more they cried out, have mercy on us. You know what? That's a great prayer. Have mercy on me. Amen. Have mercy on me. And, and, and you know, you son of David, and, and Jesus stood still and called them and said, what do you want me to do? Hallelujah. What do you want? What do you want in this situation? 
And they said, Lord, that our eyes may be open. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Immediately. Praise God. Jesus ministered in compassion. In Mark chapter 1, you can turn there really quick. Verse 40 to verse 42. There's a leper that came to Jesus. He said, Lord, I know that you can heal me if you will. You know, there's a lot of people believe that today, that Lord could heal them if he would. Amen? You know, it is God's will. And you can know from what Jesus did on the cross. You can know from who God said he is. You can know from what the word of God says. Praise God. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 40 to 42, it says, There came a leper to him, and he kneeled down, and he said, If you will, you can heal me. And Jesus moved with compassion and put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And as soon as Jesus spoke, immediately the leprosy departed and he was clean. There's another example in Mark chapter 5. There was a demoniac in Gadara. The man lived in the tombs. He, he, they chained him up because he, he was crazy, right? He was demon possessed. And, and they chained him up and he would break the chains off. They would clothe him. He'd tear the clothes off. And he's running around naked. Amen? Crying and cut himself with stones. And when Jesus came to him, Jesus cast the devil out of him and freed him. And when he came uh, to the, the man who had been possessed with the devil, they, he prayed over him that he might be with him. How be it? In other words, this man said, Jesus, I want to come. I want to be with you. And Jesus suffered him not, but said, go home to your friends and tell them how great of things the Lord has done for you and had compassion on you. And he departed and he began to publish in Decapolis great things that Jesus did for him and all men did marvel. Do you know, it wasn't very long after that that Jesus returned to Decapolis, the area where this man went and told the people about his miracle. And many, many people, the Bible says, as many as touched Jesus were made whole. Praise God. So Jesus ministered healing. He ministered miracles with compassion. Jesus taught with compassion. Another example is found in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, there was a widow at, at Nain, and she had, you know, one son, and her only son died. They didn't have social security like we do, right? They, they, they didn't have a way to help a widow take care of herself if her if her if if, if you know, her husband died. It was her oldest son's responsibility. Now, in that, she only had one son. It was this son's responsibility to help care for his mother, and she was a widow. I mean, it was a hopeless situation. But when Jesus came to this situation, we, you can read it. We can read it in Luke chapter 7, verse 11. It says, it came to pass the day after he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people... Now, when he came near the gate of the city, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much, many people of the city were with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Weep not. And he came and touched her. And, and, they, and they that bare stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mom. Praise God. Jesus had compassion on people. Jesus taught with compassion. Jesus ministered healing with compassion. Praise God, he was, he was a friend of people. Jesus was a compassionate person. Compassion motivated him to action. But not only did he teach with compassion, not only did he heal with compassion, but Jesus taught people that they needed to have compassion. Now, guess what? Sometimes we're not the most 
compassionate people. Listen, I can be very valiant, you know that, for the truth. You know, I, I have a heart for the truth. But there's times we need to watch, right? And the truth needs to be spoken with grace. Amen? The Bible says, speak the truth in love, enfolded in love in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show you this example in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. As He was on the way to Jerusalem, He needed to spend the night in Samaria. But guess what? The Samaritans were prejudiced against the Jews. So not only were the Jews prejudiced against Samarians, right? The Samaritans were prejudiced against the Jews. And so as he's going there, it says in verse 51, it came to pass as the time was come, he would be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him and they went and he went into the village of the Samaritans to make ready. They were trying to find a place for Jesus to stay. And they did not receive him because his face as, was as though he would go to Jerusalem. In other words, they weren't excited about Jesus going to Jerusalem. So they said, listen, you know what? We don't have a place for Jesus in our town. Now, two of Jesus' best disciples, two of his inner three, James and John, they said, hey, shall we do like Elijah the prophet and call fire down from heaven? You remember the story about Elisha. King got mad about, excuse me, Elijah. There's a couple in Elisha too. They're somewhat like this. But Elijah and, and the king sent, the king of Syria, I believe it was, sent, he sent 50 people after Elijah, uh, an army, a little group of soldiers. And they come and, and he said, uh, you know what? If God be God, let the fire fall. If I'm a man of God. French fries. I don't know if you, man, sometimes I'd like to be like that. Sometimes like I'd like to say, hey, if God be God, let the fire fall. <laughs> Amen? Listen, we live in an ungodly, corrupt world. It is a messed up world. The way people think is messed up. You know the biggest prejudice in America today? The biggest prejudice in America is not the black against the white. The biggest prejudice in America today is the poor against the rich, and the government has played on people's emotions to lie to them. I'll stop right there, okay? You can tell I could get a little mad. <laughs> All right, but people play on their emotions. I was just in a deal where people played on people's emotions, amen? But I'm telling you, it's not over and it's not done. God's with us and it's going to be good in the end, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep going forward. But you know, that, that's, a, that's a, it's an issue, okay? So, so, so there, there's a prejudice in this situation, and because Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, the Samaritan said, no, we don't want him. Not here. Not today. Not today. Not now. And, and so the disciples, James and John, they saw this and they said, Lord, would you command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did, as Elijah did? Listen, I've been in some situations like I'd like to go. <laughs> Amen. I know of some situations in the Bible, Ananias and Sapphira. I don't know how grace fits in with that, but it's in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. Amen? I know of an instance where my mentor, Lester Sumrall, there were some people. He started a church over in the Philippines, and one of his family members was running it. And these businessmen from, from the, you know, the East 
loaned him a bunch of money and were overcharging him interest. And Lester went over there. He borrowed a million dollars in South Bend, Indiana at the bank and went over to get his family member out of debt on this church. And he basically sat around with 10 businessmen at this table who were overcharging and cheating the church. And he basically told these businessmen, he said, listen, when I, when I was a kid, I played marbles and I never lost a game. And, you know, he paid that debt off. Did you know within one year, every one of those 10 businessmen that sat around that table were dead? I'm telling you, there are some people, you don't touch the Lord's anointed. There are some people, just keep your hands off of them. You know, you may have an opinion, it may be wrong, so it might be good just to keep your mouth shut. Amen. Don't touch the Lord's anointed. Praise God. Now, I don't know how that all fits within grace, but I'm telling you, there's times that I feel like being like uh, Elijah. I mean, there's times that I feel like James and John. Let's call some fire down from heaven, Jesus. Let's just, let's just fix this thing. Hallelujah. But you know, this is not what Jesus said to do. Listen to what he said. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will you that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Like Elijah, and he turned and rebuked them. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Pastor Lawson, you don't know what spirit you're of. <laughs> Amen. Listen, Jesus not only taught with compassion, he not only ministered miracles and healings and by compassion, but Jesus, Jesus dealt in compassion. And he told his disciples, you need to be compassionate. He said, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but save them. And they went to another village. You know what he did? They just wiped the dust off their feet and went to the next town. Amen? He didn't get hung up. Somebody rejected him. You know, sometimes somebody rejects you. Somebody does, something doesn't go. You feel like calling fire down from heaven. I know it. I've been there. Listen, I'm from the country. I'm hot-blooded. Amen. I can tell you lots of stories. Some of them aren't good. So I won't. Amen. That's what he wanted to do, but that's not what he did. That's what the disciples wanted to do, right? But Jesus said, no. You don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to destroy people. I came to save them. Amen? And Jesus ministered the grace of God. You know another great example? So the Samaritans were prejudiced against the Jews. The Jews were prejudiced against the Samaritans. And if you go over into John chapter 4, the woman at the well, she came and, and this Samaritan woman comes to him and Jesus asked her for a drink. And she said, what is this that you're asking me, a woman of Samaria, for a drink? It was a big deal that a Jew would talk to a Samaritan, let alone a Jewish man, to a Samaritan woman. Jesus ministers by the power of God, by the Spirit of God. This woman goes, and did you know what? She doesn't only get, he says, can you go get your husband? And she said, well, Lord, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right. You've had five before now. It hasn't really worked out very well. The man you're living with isn't your husband. It's amazing who Jesus will use. And she goes to get the whole city. The disciples come up, and they are shocked. Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. Jesus. Right? She's shocked. He's shocked. Why? Because there's this prejudice. But Jesus ministers grace. And you know what? We need to be like Jesus and minister the grace of God to people that are in need. In fact, there's a scripture in James chapter 2, verse 13. And I'm going to close with this. In the King James, it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Actually, that's the modern English. Mercy, grace, triumphs over judgment. 
So, Pastor Lawson, the next time you want to call fire down from heaven, remember that God is a God of grace. Amen? And mercy triumphs over judgment. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.